Merry Christmas, everyone. I hope you're doing well. Uh, for those of you I don't know, my name's Todd, and I'm really glad that you are here today at uh, one of our uh, 600 services. Really glad that you uh, chose to be at this one. I'm just kidding. We only have four, but uh, glad that you're here. How many of you have said good morning to someone tonight? Be honest. All right. Very good. Very good. All right. I'm, I'm, I, I've had that little trend there for a few minutes, so I'm right there with you. Uh, hey, glad that you're here, and uh, just really glad that you're here on Christmas Eve. And I don't know about you, I, I want you just for a second to think about Christmas Eve. Those of you who are adults, think about that time when you were a child, when you were a kid. Um, I, it didn't go away when I was in middle school. I was just excited when I was in middle school about Christmas Eve and Christmas morning as I was when I was three and four years old. Think about that time for a second. Uh, some of you who are in here and you're kids, man, you are so excited. Are you excited, kids, about tomorrow? I mean, you're excited. You're like, please let him not talk long. And it's like the one night you go to bed early and you're fine with it, right? Am I right, kids? Like, that's it. Yeah. And your parents just want to go to bed, right? So anyway, it's either the greatest night uh, ever for parents or, you know, it's a long one. So anyway, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, but Christmas Eve has this just incredible sense of anticipation, this sense of this something big is about to happen. And it doesn't matter whether you're three or, or 33 or 83, there's this sense of anticipation that something is going to happen, something great is going to happen. And I got to tell you, the world that Jesus was born into was a world that had a sense that something had to happen, something had to change, something needed to change. And the world was expecting for something to happen. They were expecting for God to come through. The world that Jesus was born in, the, the place that he was born in, in Bethlehem, was kind of a Jewish outpost in the middle of the Roman Empire. And, and, and the emperor of that day was someone who ruled with a, with a very strong uh, rule. He was a very strong ruler, and he ruled with an iron fist. And he was, in many ways, um, he was evil to those who were subject to him and those who were subject to Rome. And here in the middle of Bethlehem, in the outskirts of this, this area that was you know, filled with people who weren't Roman, was born the Son of God. And the people of that day and age, they needed a Savior. And they wanted a Savior. And they expected God to do it a certain way. And God did it in a different way than they thought. We've been in this series called Great Expectations, and tonight is our, our last night, Christmas Eve. It's our last in this series, and uh, some of you have been in this journey. If you haven't been, you can go back out and check it out sometime. But we've been talking about what happens when there's an expectation that we have in our life, and life falls short. We've been talking about the fact that we have dreams, and often life kind of like delivers something that's a lot different than our dreams. We have expectations for our careers. We have expectations for our, our education. We have expectations for our kids. Kids, you have expectations for your parents, don't you? 
We have expectations on our, our, our spouses and our, our, our boyfriends or girlfriends, our significant others. We have expectations on moms and dads. And we have this great expectation in this world. And often what happens is, is there's a gap between the expectation and the dreams and the visions, this preferred future that we want and that we desire and what really happens in life. And we've been talking about that these past few weeks. And I got to tell you, the world was waiting for something to be done and they had an expectation of how it would go and God delivered in a different way. <laughs> Part of the Christmas story, some of you will read it later tonight. Uh, I'll read it here today, tonight. It's actually after Jesus was born. But part of the Christmas story kind of gives us a little bit of a glimpse into why there was this great expectation of God coming through, especially for the people of Israel. Matthew records it, Matthew 2, 1 through 12. He writes this, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And by the way, you can replace troubled with the word insecure, because he was a political leader that was scared to death of someone else who would have been called the king. And so he was troubled, and it says that uh, all Jerusalem was with him, and assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, O you and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod summoned, he says he summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. <laughs> and he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you found him, bring me word so that I too may come and worship him. I think Herod had something else on his mind other than worship, didn't he? After listening to the king, they went on their way and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. In all of our nativity scenes and all the pictures that we have, we have this view that the wise men arrived that day or that night, right? That they were there on the scene. And in reality, it says that they went into the house, but we know Jesus was born in a manger. He was born in a stable there in Bethlehem. So the fact that they went into the house tells us that they probably came, some scholars believe, as much as years after Jesus was born. 
It's amazing to think about this world that needed something. It needed a change. It needed to be saved. And the world was wanting that to happen. But here was this leader, this king who was Herod, and he was evil, and he was a tyrant. But they still wanted for God to come through. And in some ways, it's so ironic what they wanted and what they expected. And today, I just want to point out three things tonight. I just want to point out three, three things that the world expected. And I think maybe we can learn something of what Christmas is all about from what they expected from God. You see, they expected a king, but God sent a servant. The world expected, especially those who were the Jewish people, they expected God to come through through a king. The nations and the nation states of that day, if they were going to be successful, if they were going to, to, to you know, last, if they were going to be a people that stayed together, they, they had to go and do that behind the authority and the position of a king. But God decided that he wasn't going to send a king. He decided he would send a servant. And I got to tell you that those expectations that the world had that God would send a king to save the world um, were, were legitimate in that day. But what the people didn't know is, is that most people probably wouldn't have been able to understand and connect with a king. And so God humbled himself and he sent a servant. Matthew 20, verse 28, records <laughs> Jesus' words, and he says in verse 28, even as the Son of Man came not to serve, but he says he came to what? To serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, the world thought that God would come and resolve all the problems of the world through the authority and the power and the position of a king. And Jesus came, the Messiah, born in a manger to serve the world. And here's why God did it differently, is because God knew best. He knew best that we would connect with a servant and not a king. He knew best that we would understand the role of a servant and not that of a king. Because only someone who comes from royalty really understands the world expected a king, and God sent a servant. Secondly, the world expected a conqueror, and God sent a carpenter. Now, we all love the idea of victory and winning. We all love to get behind a team or a group of people who are victorious. I mean, you wouldn't know that by the sports teams I follow these days, but we all love to see someone win and get behind someone who wins. And, and so the world wanted for God to save the world through something that was victorious and conquering. But God sent a man who wouldn't be a conqueror. He was a carpenter. He was a simple carpenter. The world expected a conqueror and God sent a carpenter. There's this great passage from Matthew chapter 13, 
where Jesus has just finished telling uh, the synagogue, the people in the synagogue, and, and uh, a, a little bit uh, about the world, and he's using stories. He was the greatest storyteller. And he tells these parables, and he gets done, and then he begins to teach in the synagogues, in the synagogue, and he's all the people from his hometown are wondering who is this one who is so incredibly eloquent, and 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 he knows the word of God. Who is this? And they begin to talk, and they're like, "Hey, this is the Messiah. This is God's son. This is how he's going to save the world." And someone responds in verse 55, is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? The carpenters of this world, they had one of the lowliest jobs. They were servants in a sense. Jesus, his bloodline came from King David, and we, most of you know that King David was a shepherd. And the job of a shepherd was one of the lowliest jobs that you could have. The same thing can be said about a carpenter. The world wanted a conqueror, but God sent a carpenter because God knows best. He knew that those who would be conquered would not be able to understand and receive and believe in the Messiah if he had sent him that way. You see, God knew best. And the third thing that the world wanted is, and expected is, they expected that God would send a celebrity and God really sent a commoner. You see, the, the people who lived in, in Judea of that day, uh, they wanted to be represented. They wanted someone with influence. They wanted God to save them for, with someone who, who had notoriety and, and was famous. And they expected a celebrity, but God sent someone who was incredibly common. We see that all through the, the courtship of, of Joseph and, and Mary and how they were sent actually to Bethlehem and they ended up in the stable because they were common people. They needed to be counted in the census. They were one of just many people. They were common. Jesus came from commoners. In Luke 2, 24, I love this, Joseph and Mary go to the temple and they want to offer something to God in worship. They want to offer something to Jesus in worship. And in verse 24 of Luke 2, it says this, and, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of God, they gave, Joseph and Mary, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. And you thought the song was made up. It's from the Bible. And the interesting thing is, is that gift that they gave, the way that they worshiped by giving two turtle doves and a couple of pigeons was, was the way that someone would have worshiped and the gift that someone would have given if they were poor. Jesus came from a very common family. This is a great example in, in John chapter 1 as we, we read about Jesus being the word and, and all that. And then later on, um, John records this in, in verse 43. 
The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. This is where he was finding many of his followers. He found Philip and he said, follow me. And now Philip was from Bethesda, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael who became a follower of Jesus. And he and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and all the prophets wrote about, which was the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come from Nazareth? Like, are you kidding me? There's no possible way that he could save the world. He's from Nazareth. Nazareth was on the other side of the tracks. This was not the best place to grow up and the best place to come from, but Jesus was from Nazareth, and God chose to save the world, not through a celebrity, but through a commoner because he knew best. He knew best. It's Christmas Eve 2018, and I would imagine that uh, there are some of you who are here tonight, and your greatest dreams and your greatest expectations, and maybe the visions that you had for your life in 2018, and for your work, and for your jobs, and for your careers, for your education students, for your social life students, and adults, for your social media, who knows, students and adults. All the dreams and visions that you had for your life in 2018, I would imagine that there are some of you who, yes, it, they've been accomplished. There's a connection between what happened in reality and what those expectations were, but I bet that there's some of you who are here tonight, and there are some dreams and visions that have absolutely been taken away from you. I bet there are some of you who are here, and 2018 has been a very difficult year. Maybe there was a relationship that went a way that you had no clue that it would go at the beginning of the year. Maybe you're here tonight, and you've done something that you're so incredibly embarrassed or ashamed of, and your expectation for yourself, you've fallen short of that expectation. Maybe in your life, you've had this great expectation for what you would do, and it just isn't happening the way that you envisioned it. I gotta tell you, when God said that he was sending Jesus to be born in a stable, in a manger, in a place called Bethlehem, he said that he was with us. That's one of Jesus' names. It's this name, Emmanuel, which means God with us. And the fact that God decided to send a baby, the, the, the fact that God decided to send the Savior as a man in human flesh, in human form, means that he is with us. Us. And that, that gap between the greatest expectation that you have in your life and the way that life has gone, he understands it. He knows it. I want you to hear tonight that it has not been lost on the God that sent the Messiah as a man. Wherever you are today, wherever you are tonight, not this morning, but wherever you are tonight, he knows that. He knows your pain. He knows your hurts. He knows the dark place of your soul. 
because he knows best what you need. He knew best what the world would need. And he knew that we wouldn't accept a king, that we wouldn't accept a conqueror, and that we wouldn't accept a celebrity. My prayer and my hope tonight is that you personalize Emmanuel, that you realize that God is with us, but you would realize that God is with you. He knows exactly what you need for the exact time that you're in right now. He is with us. Father God, I thank you so much that you knew best. You knew best how to save the world. You knew best what was going to happen with the Roman Empire. You knew best what was going to happen 33 years later when you chose to save the world through Jesus by allowing him to be nailed to a cross after going through a phony trial, after being accused falsely for crimes that he didn't commit. God, you knew that he would be the sacrificial lamb that would take away the sins of the world. And God, you knew that on a grand scale. You knew it on, on this, this uh, macro scale, this, this huge 40,000-foot view of what was going on in human history and in the world. But God, you know what we need tonight. And Father God, I thank you that you are a God who came as a child. You were born in a manger. You came from this place called Nazareth that was on the other side of the tracks that you were just a carpenter in your job. God, I thank you that you chose to save the world that way because that helps me to connect with you. It helps me to believe in you. It helps me to receive you. And Father, tonight, I pray for those who are in here and maybe their faith has been shaken this year. Maybe it's been stretched. God, maybe it, it is worn down. And God, I pray that tonight is a night that they might reconnect with you because maybe they discovered that you do know best because you are Emmanuel and you are God with us we thank you for becoming flesh and for being born and we celebrate that this Christmas in Jesus name I pray amen